Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. You can follow us online at cometofreedom.com. My dad loves preaching verse by verse studies of the Word of God giving its full counsel. His studies pay particular attention to the practical application, contemporary examples, and incorporates the Word into our daily lives. Enjoy today's sermon and make sure to subscribe right now so you don't miss any future teachings. All right, 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. Father in heaven, we just ask of you, God, we want to receive well. So Holy Spirit, would you please give us ears to hear and give us understanding and wisdom to know what you are uh, speaking to us through your word. We ask in your name. Amen. All right, so as we open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, we'll be looking at the first 11 verses together. Moreover, verse 1, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you first of all, so what Paul is saying here for you and I, this is of first importance. Though we've studied through 1 Corinthians together and we've covered a lot of doctrine and practical church things, and as we just concluded looking in depth at all the gifts of the Spirit, Paul says, now this gospel that I've declared to you, the gospel is the most important thing. Thing. And how many guys would say, yeah, that is the foremost important thing in this life. When it comes to salvation, if there is a Savior, if there is a way to be forgiven of our sins, we need to get this right. And Paul says, you need to get this right. And he goes on to tell us here in verse 4, actually let's go back to verse 3. He said, hey, I deliver to you because I also received So this is something that Paul personally received, that Christ died for our sins according to what? The scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to what? The scriptures. Do you guys understand how important it is that we get the gospel right? And we get it right according to God's word, the Bible, the scriptures. Well, what is the good news? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. It is the good news of what God did for us, okay, what we couldn't do. Jesus came from heaven to live a life we couldn't and to die a death we should have. And he rose from the dead that we may live. And because of this, we can be saved. And I love that this gospel, it's not just something Paul thought up. Hey, this man Jesus did this and did that. And my opinion is he could be a savior among many other saviors 
that are out there. No, this is according to the word of God. It is according to the scriptures. And do you guys know that this book that you hold in your hands is so radically set apart from anything else that has ever been written? Consider with me just for a moment the Bible itself, the canon of scripture. 66 different books right here. And what's amazing about that, guys, this addresses every controversial issue that there is in this life. God doesn't want to keep us hanging. He doesn't want us to figure out how we can be saved, what life is really all about. Because many have opinions and many are wrong, but God says, no, I'm going to reveal to you who I am, who you are, what life is all about, what's right, what's wrong, and how to get right if you are wrong. He makes it very clear. And the thing that's so cool about this book, it is supernatural. 40 different men over 1,500 years wrote this. Three different languages in three different countries. And it all says the exact same thing because it is all about God and what he did. And in spite of all these factors and others, the Bible is perfectly unified. It is harmonious account of how God is seeking to reconcile mankind back to himself through the person and the work of his son, Jesus Christ. Every single one of the books perfectly fits no contradictions. That is what it's all about. Now, if you take any other religious writings and you try to insert them, just one of them, into these 66 books that God has given to be a part of his canon of Scripture, we have some problems. There are now contradictions. But the Word of God, do we understand how precious this is for us? Well, how do you know it's the Word of God, Pastor? How do you know that it's God-breathed? Because from what I know, there's 26 major books of faith today in the world. And you're saying that this is the one that we have to believe this gospel? Absolutely. I want to look at Isaiah for a moment with you guys in chapter 46. Oh boy, let's jump back to 45 because this is so good. In verse 5 he says, I am the Lord and there is none other. There is no God besides me. So God is making a radical declaration there. There are none others. <laughs> I am it. I am the only God. And then he goes on in verse 21 of that chapter. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no other God besides me. A just God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Look to me, he says. Okay, this is the living God, and he's about to prove that he's the living God. He says, you need to look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, and my word has gone out by my mouth in righteousness, and it shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow. Well, doesn't that sound a little familiar? Do you guys know there is a day, according to Philippians, where every knee will bow and confess Jesus as Lord, whether they believe or not? That is going to happen. And how do we know that's going to happen? Because that is prophecy. 
And there are hundreds of other prophecies in this book. And that's how we know this is supernatural because God alone can tell the future. 26 major books of faith today in the world, not one fulfilled prophecy in any of them. And we have hundreds upon hundreds. Now go to chapter 20, or 46 here. God makes it very, let's look at verse 5. I just wish we could read through all of it. But he says here, to whom will you liken me, God is saying, and make me equal? Well, there's many paths. There are many gods. No, there's not. He says, and compare me, <laughs> that we should be alike. How can we do that? We can't. Jump down to verse 9, because this is where he sets himself apart. Remember the former things of old? For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done. God alone can declare what is going to happen. Because God alone knows the future. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. This is what sets God apart. The God of the Bible apart from every other God because only God can foretell the future and he challenges other gods if you're gods <laughs> tell the future you can't and we have all these religious beliefs in the world and there is no prophecy well how do we know it's supernatural prophecy upon prophecy think about Jesus himself over 300 prophecies of him coming the first time and there's eight times that amount of prophecies in the Bible concerning his second coming. Okay? Guys, if we just took a small handful of those prophecies, that he would come and he'd be born in Bethlehem, of the seed of Abraham, from the line of King David. Daniel told us when he would actually come to the day. If you just took those few, just a few, and you tried to work out the statistics, the odds of that one person fulfilling just a few? And we're not talking hundreds, just a few. Every mathematician would say that's impossible. <laughs> Unless this really is God's word. And we could prove it. We have manuscript evidence. There's so many reasons why we can trust the word of God. And we so easily dismiss it today. There's so many who say, well, I don't know can't believe there's so many faiths what makes your faith right well God said it and he proved it over and over again so I'm not preaching on the trustworthiness of scripture this morning but it is one of those things when Paul makes his declaration hey I'm going to declare to you the gospel according to the scriptures we need to know we can take the scriptures seriously can we believe these scriptures opposing all these other scriptures because Jesus made a claim which the world does not like. Hinduism will embrace all religions of the world except for one, and that is biblical Christianity, because Jesus made the claim, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He said, I'm exclusive. I alone am Savior. I am God, and there is none other. It's only going to be through me. So the whole Hindu world has a problem with Jesus Hey, all these other gods are good to go, but him, no. Now, according to the scriptures, being God-breathed, I love 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verse 16, because we're told that all Scripture is given by God and it's by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed, and it's profitable for us, for doctrine to know what's right. Okay, If Paul's saying, hey, I'm going to declare the gospel to you, how do we know this is the right gospel? Because it is according to the Scriptures, according to his word. Not what the apostle thought, but according to what God has declared. And it's also profitable for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. And I don't know about you guys, we need to get right. I look among the people we live, there's a lot going wrong. There are a lot of people who have a lot of different thoughts. Guys know that there only can be one truth. Well, don't we need to be tolerant of all? Can't we coexist? Yeah, we can coexist. We're to be at peace with all men. But that doesn't mean everyone else is right and there are many paths to the Father. There's only one, and that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said, hey, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and there are very few who find that because it's him and him alone. So as we consider the gospel, and you guys know that this is my wheelhouse. Why? It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a child of God. This is how I know Jesus. This is how I've been forgiven of my sins. But when we put our faith in Christ, we believe the gospel. It does things in our lives, doesn't it, guys? It produces worship and adoration. That's why Sunday mornings are a joy. Of course I want to come together and to worship the Lord. Even if the worship is off-key, that's all right. You know why? Because it's not about that. It's about the one whom we worship. That's why we pray and give thanks. I'm in awe of who he is and what he has done. He gets our adoration. And out of what the gospel proclaims, how can you not love him back? We love him because he first loved us and he demonstrated his love for us when we were yet sinners. He died upon the cross. If you ever question the love of God, look to the cross in which Jesus hung and died and bled for you so your sins could be forgiven. And this is why we love him. And when we love him, we'll love others. How quickly we want to stand in our rights, in our opinions. And we have a hard time loving others and being gracious with others and being patient with others. And I think it all comes down to, hey, we're not rightly looking to Christ. We haven't rightly appropriated the gospel personally in our lives. Because, man, if I've been forgiven, how can I not forgive others? And if we have rightly appropriated the gospel, it's going to produce this love, this agape love in our lives. It's also going <laughs> to drive out temptation of sin in our lives. How many of you guys, when you came to Christ, you believed the gospel born again of the Spirit of God, man, those things that tempted you, that had a stronghold in your life, God changed your heart and said, you know what? <laughs> I don't need that anymore. It has no power on me anymore. We may be tempted by sin, but it doesn't have the power it had, okay? We can actually repent, turn from our sin. I'm turning to you and Jesus. And it also, guys, gives me relationship with the living God. Isn't that cool? When you come to faith in Christ, you're in a place where you can call God Father. 
You've been adopted as one of his kids. And our spirit cries out, what? Abba, (laughs) Daddy, Father, my Father in heaven, I have relationship with you now. Before there was no relationship, I couldn't have relationship because you are holy, 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 and I am sinful, 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 okay? And they can't dwell together. But what the Gospels declared is Jesus took down that wall of separation. He took care of that sin issue that separated us from God. And if we receive him and believe the gospel, we are told we are forgiven. Christ is now our righteousness. So as the father looks at us, he looks at his son, Jesus. That's how he sees us, as Jesus, blameless, perfect, sinless. Loved a child of his. How beautiful is that? And we get to please him. Do you guys have that desire to please God? Yeah. So I love the gospel. Paul says here in verse 1, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received. The question then, has you received it? Have you received? Now, I know I'm dating myself. Do you guys remember this thing called a radio? And they had these things called tuners. And there would be different frequencies where you could tune in your radio from some transmitter somewhere that is sending out a message. And you could tune in. Well, that's exactly what God has done. He's transmitting the gospel. The grace of God has appeared to all men. Aren't we told in John that the Holy Spirit is convicting or convincing the world of truth? Yeah, the transmission is going out to everyone. Some people say, you know, I I don't like this song. I'm going to change it to a different channel. Many do that. But those who, oh, what is that? Yeah. I gotta tune, I gotta get this a little clearer. I, I wanna tune in, I wanna, I wanna get what it's saying. We're in a place then to receive, because we have clearly heard. You see, to transmit, Romans 10 14 says, How shall they without a preacher hear? The gospel needs to be preached. Didn't Jesus tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel? Yeah, we got to be doing that. But then also there is the receiving. Jesus tells us in his word, his brother James chapter 1 verse 21 wrote this, that therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You see, the implanted word is a message. That is the gospel. The gospel is a message. The gospel means good news. And I don't know about you guys, there's a lot of bad news out there and way too much fake news out there. And the world is looking for good news. But the good news isn't good news unless there's bad news. And you guys know we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve death and hell. That is what we deserve. But there is good news. There's a God who loves us and did something that we can be forgiven and be given a gift of eternal life. 
So we see here again in verse 3 this word recede, for I deliver to you first to you all that which I received. Now it's hard to go and preach the gospel to the world unless you've received it personally, correct? How many of you guys, maybe yourself or someone else you know, they received the truth of the gospel, born again, and you just saw them, they received and they went and shared. They went home that day and told mom and dad, their brothers and sisters, their friends, their coworkers, they couldn't keep it to themselves. I've heard some good news. I gotta share this good news. And that's our job, guys. There are a lot of news channels out there. You can turn them on today and you're gonna hear a lot of crud, a lot of bad stuff happening all over the world. The world is looking for hope. They're wanting solutions to all the problems, and we have that solution, guys. It is the gospel, and we have the privilege to declare that to this world that is in need of the good news. So, what do we do as the church? I'm so glad you guys asked, okay? What we do, we come and we learn. That's why we take the scriptures so seriously here at Freedom. Since day one, the direction of Freedom Fellowship has been the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach him and him crucified. Some people don't like the direction we're going in, but that's never going to change. We're going to continue to preach the gospel. Can you guys remember a service where we didn't point to Jesus Christ? We've been in the Old Testament and New Testament, back and forth, every other Sunday morning together. We've been studying through Exodus. You guys can go back and listen to every study we've done this far through 22 chapters, dozens of studies. You know what? Jesus is there. The gospel's presented. Why? Because the volume of the book, again, even the Old Testament is what? Pointing to Christ. The gospel is all over. It is beautiful. And that's why I'm always going to be preaching the gospel to you guys. Because it's here in the word. As long as I'm faithful to what God's called me to do, which is preach and teach his word, we're going to hear the gospel. But that isn't always the case. Because there's other good news that is often shared in some churches, isn't there? We're not going to talk about Jesus today. He might be a side note to the message. But hey, we're going to talk about health and wealth today. You know how many churches are doing that? Many. Anyways, we'll come back around to that because we need to get the gospel correct according to what? The scriptures. So we receive, we deliver as the church, we hear, we go and tell, we listen, we proclaim. My job is to equip the body of Christ for the work of ministry. That's why the church is here. We want to equip you guys and equip you well. But we need to get it right so we can give it right. We need to get the gospel according to the scriptures so we can give it rightly to others because there are other gospels out there. Now, the word gospel, okay, there are going to be five things that come around this good news that he has declared. The first thing the gospel does, it puts us in a place to actually receive. There's a gift to be given. Now, gifts, when they're given to somebody, There's no strings attached, correct? Okay, there shouldn't be. And sometimes we have a hard time with that. And that's where I see that we perverse the gospel sometimes within the church. And I see this tendency. People hear the gospel and they say, yeah, this makes sense. I can see that. I can trust the word of God. I I see that this is the hope, okay? 
we, we see historically, even outside of the Bible, there are external sources that actually speak to the reality of the gospel that Jesus really was a man who really did live then, who really did die. And there is refutable, you can't, the, the amount of evidence that comes around the resurrection, there is so much, can't deny it. But often Christians, they receive and they're like, all right, you saved me. <laughs> now I got to go do my part. You did 90% of the work, Jesus. Now I got 10%. I got to go do myself. And aren't we warned about that in Scripture? Hey, <laughs> you who begun in the Spirit, why are you trying to be perfected in the flesh? This was a gift given to your salvation was a gift. There's nothing for you to work for. But because of our pride... And because we don't know the scriptures or the gospel according to the scriptures, we think now there's something that we have to do to make sure our salvation is good to go. Guys, 100% of our salvation is a gift. Jesus did it all. When he hung on the tree, (laughs) died on that cross, he said it is finished. There was a debt to be paid. What he was saying, it paid in full. It's done. There's nothing more that we can do. He did it all because we couldn't. So a gift needs to be received, no strings attached, freely received, and a lot of times we feel like we have to do something, right? If I gave you guys a gift, wouldn't you want to, oh, now I got to give him something back. That's how it works. That's not a true gift, is it? That's just a transaction. So a gift to be received has to be received by faith, believing, hey, you really get it. So Kim, I have this gift for you. Do you trust me? Will you receive it? No strings attached. I don't want anything back, sister. It's yours. You can receive it. She received by faith. Now, it'd be a bummer if there was nothing in the bag. <laughs> it has a little something in there. But she's going to be able to receive and hopefully enjoy and use what was given to her. And that's the same thing with Christ, guys. We can know the gifts are there, but we have a lot, of, a lot of excuses not to receive the gift. I'm good. I get to go to heaven because I'm a good person. And Jesus, I don't really need you because I got my own merit. I got my own way to get my pride. It's telling me I'm not in need of you. You know, God gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. That's what the Bible says. And we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. And we need to receive this gift by faith. That is all it is. So what he's talking about here, one of the things that gospel shows us is it has to be received. And the second thing we see, this gospel in which we receive, we are also able to stand. Do you guys know that this world is a shifty place? Okay, not very stable, okay? Stability, very slippery in this world. <laughs> but what do we have in Christ? Is God not our rock? Okay, I love these passages of scripture. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? He makes my feet like the feet of deer and he sets me on high places. You enlarge my path under me so my feet will not slip. This is part of what the gospel does. We don't have to be tossed 
to and fro and slipping all over because of what the world (laughs) is into and the turmoil that we see all around us. No, God has given us a solid rock, and that rock is Christ himself. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 11, it says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom, and I have led you in the right paths. And when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Is that a promise from God? Absolutely. And we have that promise because of the gift we have been given that we received by faith. The gospel is able to make us stand. Isn't that cool? Because without the gospel, you have no standing before God whatsoever. If you one day stand before God in your own merit, you're going to be in trouble. Because our righteousness is as what? according to the scriptures, filthy rakes. We also see a third thing that happens because of the gospel. (laughs) We are saved, guys. We are saved. Think about that. And this is what the world is looking for. This is what the world needs. We need a savior. And it's not going to be him or her. There's only one savior, and that is Jesus Christ Well, what does it mean to be saved? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. Because when a person receives the gospel by faith, they are saved according to the scriptures, guys, and you are justified. There's justification, there's sanctification, and there's glorification that takes place, okay? And we see that. We have been saved from our sins. We are being saved daily from sinning, and we will one day be saved from ever sinning. And this is past, present, and future. A lot of people think, hey, yeah, I got saved back in 82. Great. Glad you got saved then. Do you guys know that God's been doing some saving work since then? There's a sanctifying that he's doing. He is promised as our author in our finisher of faith to complete the work that he's begun in us. But we have the past, the present, and the future. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, right? And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And then we have the present reality of salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross, it is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to the one who is saved, it is the power of God. I don't know about you guys, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power that is needed. It's not just something we believe, but there's a reality of functioning. Something happens as a result of that belief. You are born again of the Spirit of God. You are a new creation. Wow, the Spirit of God is working in you. He's sanctifying us. And then we have Romans chapter 13, 11 that talks about our future glorification. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Isn't that cool to think about? Okay, we are going to struggle with sin until the day we die. But once we go to be with Jesus, guess what? Glorification. How many guys are looking forward to that? Yeah, me too. But there is a saving that is taking place, is taking place, and going to take place all because of the gospel We also see that we're told because the result of the gospel, we need to hold fast. I think of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Fight the good fight of faith and hold on to eternal life. Okay, how many of you guys have purposed in your heart, I'm going to fight to the end. 
I'm going to finish this race, okay? I'm planning on ending better than I began. That should be our goal, guys. A lot of people are looking for things at the end of life. I can't wait to retire. No, Christian, we run the race to the end, okay? Retirement is just a beautiful opportunity (laughs) to be whatever God wants, right? And that's, yeah, hold fast is the point. The word which I preach to you unless you believed in vain. Do you guys know that there's a lot of superficial belief today? Um, The gospel clarifies this. This is something the Holy Spirit really needs to speak to your hearts personally. Believing in vain. It's not a secondhand faith. You might be here this morning because your husband or your wife, because her mom or dad want you to be a good churchgoer. There's no secondhand faith. It's got to be your own. It's got to be real. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal that because we can deceive ourselves. Do you guys know that? We're very good. I believe. How many people do we know who believed in Jesus? Sold out, sharing the good news, and they don't walk with Jesus today. They walked away. What the heck happened? They don't believe? They're now believing that? I ask the question, were they ever really saved? Or was it superficial? Was it a secondhand faith? That's why we have to own it. It's ours. Do we really believe the gospel? Do we really know Jesus? And these are the five things that I see in these few verses that the gospel will do. So let's consider now the gospel. It is Jesus Christ that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's what we are told. And this is all according to the scriptures. Even the Old Testament spoke to these things. Now, Isaiah 53, verse 6, it tells us that we have all gone astray like sheep. But we have Christ, Jesus. And Isaiah, Old Testament prophet, chapter 53, all about this suffering Messiah who was going to die that our sins could be forgiven. Check it out yourself. Prophecy all over the place, written hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. Well, how do you know that? We have manuscript evidence. Do you guys know we have manuscripts that predate the birth of Christ? And guess what? Those manuscripts they found of Isaiah say the exact same thing that our Bibles say. I thought those were all messed up. No. I love that we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. All that's been debunked. And Satan's good at lying. Somebody hears that, oh, the Bible's been messed up over the years. Really? You know Muslims are taught that? People of the book, you can't trust us anymore? But it's been cool. I've challenged some Muslims. Hey, go check it out. Mormons, you say it's messed up too. Check it out. And you go out and you actually do the research and look for yourself. Wow, guess what? It's not just a few manuscripts we found. (laughs) Tens of thousands. And they all say the same thing. And they all predate the time of Christ. That's pretty rad. So yeah, prophecy fulfilled in his death his burial and resurrection were all prophesied. And aren't we told uh, in the scriptures that Jesus 
that he did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's why he came, to bear witness to the truth. I'm calling sinners. How many of you guys are sinners? Boom, y'all qualify. Okay. So the proof that he was buried, he really died. Do you guys know that the Romans at the time were tripping out a little bit? You know, we're going to throw him in a tomb, and we got to put a big stone there. <laughs> we got to make sure that nobody can come and mess with his body because he's been talking about this resurrection thing. Okay, But no, it was witness. He died upon the cross. Even there, the day was drawing late, and the sun was going down, and the Jews were undone. We can't have these men upon these crosses on the Sabbath. In Psalm 22, 500 years before crucifixion was even invented by the Persians, Guess what Psalm 22 laid out? The crucifixion. Not even invented for 500 more years. And there it talks about the Messiah being crucified. And not one bone broken, we're told. Not one. Men and women would die upon those crosses, not from being nailed to them, but from suffocation. They would lose strength and they wouldn't be able to push themselves up to catch their breath. They would lose all energy. And they would finally give in and suffocate. And we read there in the Gospels that they went to the thief on the right and the left and broke their legs so they would suffocate. They wouldn't be able to push themselves up any longer. But then when we went to Christ, he was already dead. They didn't have to break his bones. And they put a spear in his side just to make sure and we're told that blood and water came out. So prophecy fulfilled, he was truly dead, he was truly buried. But we are told, guys, that he rose from the dead. And we all know Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What do I need to do to be saved? You need to believe. Can you confess? Say, yeah, I believe the gospel. We can give lip service to it. God sees the heart. Do you truly believe it? There's nothing you can do except receive it by faith. Do you believe the gospel? You will be saved. Now, I find contrast very helpful in bringing clarity to things. I don't know if you guys are the same way. But if we read, like we read here, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Do you guys see the contrast there? Okay? It's through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift. Okay? So it's through faith. It's not of our works. Okay? It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't save ourselves. It is all a gift. Do you guys see the contrast there? You can see how important that is. Okay, a lot of you guys grew up Catholic. During your confirmation, you had to sign off on page 29. It told you you are saved by good works. And sometimes those good works aren't even accomplished in this life. You guys know they added this thing called purgatory? Because we've got to purge out some more sin because you didn't do it right in this life and you're going to have to sit and spend some time. That was made up. That's nowhere in Scripture, by the way. A made-up thing. And then I'm fascinated because the Catholics are into this merit system. 
And what I didn't know is you can actually merit more merit than needed that you can pass it along to other people. And you can pray to the dead that they might pass along some merit to you. There's a reason why when you look at a Catholic church, Jesus is still on the cross. Continual sacrifice. Because it wasn't really finished. He really didn't atone for all our sins. There's still work to be done. That, brothers and sisters, is another gospel. A perverted gospel. Again, according to the scriptures. And what we can do for those Catholics We love them. We love them because we know the truth. We know that God loves all people. Get them in the word of God. Let them read the scriptures for themselves. Almost every, how many of you guys have left the Catholic church because you got into the word of God yourself? Yeah, so many of you guys. You should know the truth and the truth should set you free. You should know the gospel according to the scriptures. Either Jesus did it all or he didn't. Either he is Savior or he's not. Well, don't you know that we got to go to Jesus' mom because we've been taught that she's more compassionate than Jesus or God the Father. And if we pray to her, she'll go and she'll ask of Jesus and the Father to save. She'll be the one that's able to save us. That's another gospel, guys. Be careful. So do you guys understand why it's good to understand the scriptures and to see contrast, okay? Are we saved by works or are we saved by grace? Do we believe the scriptures or are we going to believe what this church has said? This denomination, these pastors, you guys are taught to go search the scriptures. Be Bereans, Acts 17.11. Receive the word with readiness, but go and search the scriptures for yourself. Are these things so? Is this what God has declared? Because there are a lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions, a lot of different gospels out there today. I need a drink of water because I'm going to share with you one of the hardest ones with you in a moment. We all have biases, and that's why it's so important that we rightly divide the word. You guys understand that? There are many, and most of our Christian books are coming out of this camp today, that are teaching that we are saved because God has regenerated us first, given us his Holy Spirit first, in order for us to be saved. Listen to two sermons yesterday by two of the most respected Bible teachers in the United States. I personally don't have respect. I've gleaned a lot from these men. They're very studious, but they both are preaching perverted gospels. And I listened carefully yesterday, and they talked of the sovereignty of the Lord and that he is Savior, and I love those verses. I believe those verses with all my heart but they were specifically preaching on the gospel and what salvation is. In none of the scriptures they referenced in the context actually spoke to salvation itself. 
But when you search the scriptures and you look for the scriptures that are dealing with salvation, for some reason, these are ones they want to ignore because it doesn't fit into their presupposition. And you guys have heard me say, if we have to ever ignore any part of the scriptures, we have a problem. Because again, all the word of God is God-breathed. It is all for us. So I'm going to read a few scriptures to you guys, and I want to read these because they come around salvation itself and the gospel according to the scriptures. Okay? And there are a lot of people being taught this. Okay? My son is going through Lutheran catechism right now. You are saved by baptism. Is baptism a work? Yeah. We're told nowhere in scripture anybody's saved by baptism. What the Bible does teach is you believe, and then you get baptized. And we only see believers getting baptized in the scriptures. Yet Lutherans teach that babies need to be baptized because when they get baptized, that's when they're regenerated with the Holy Spirit and they'll be saved. Now, there's a bunch of others who teach this regeneration of people coming to get saved, okay, is God. We have no choice in it. God's going to make you believe, and then you'll be saved. But God doesn't love everybody. We have to actually change the meaning of John 3.16, God so loved the world. And these teachers will say that's not actually what it means. It means something different. I'm just going to read scriptures to you guys that are specifically about salvation. Okay? I could randomly take other scriptures, twist them that have nothing to do with salvation itself. We're just going to look at a handful. And I could share a whole bunch more, but I want to make the point very clearly we have to put our faith in Christ. If we are saved by grace through faith, would you guys say faith's a pretty important part? Absolutely. Ezekiel 18, verse 30 says, Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from your offenses. The sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. So the order is clearly laid out as it follows. Repent. Repent. Get a new heart. Get a new spirit. And then in verse 32, as I read there, repent and live. Do you guys see the order there? And you'll find this order every time you come to Scripture, the gospel according to Scripture, you will find this order around every passage. I still haven't found the verse that talks about us being regenerated before we believe. Can't find it, guys. But this is being taught. And from this camp... This is most Christian books that are being published today. And it is all coming back to this type of teaching. I'm going to read a few more. It says in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, When you heard this, they had no further objections of praising God. So then God granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Wow. Did you guys catch the order there? And it tells us in John 5, 40, you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You need to come to me, and then you can have life. That's what our Lord and Savior Jesus says. 
So I don't really care what these men have to say in the arguments that they make. He's talking about eternal life here. John 6.53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. In other words, you need to believe, you need to partake and receive personally. And we see the order once again that you will have life. John 20, 31, and this is what I've been sharing at the old folks' home. We're studying through the Gospel of John, but I start every time sharing this scripture from the end of John. But these things that are written in the scriptures, these things that are written, they're there that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Do you guys see that? We have to believe personally, according to the scriptures, and then life is given. In John, or let's look at Acts 15, 9. He made no distinction between us and them. He purified their hearts by faith. It's not he purified their hearts and then they had the faith. That is so backwards, guys. That is another gospel. In John 1, 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or of husband's will, but born of God. We see it again in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The order is clearly laid out. You are all sons of God through faith. In Christ. Obviously, you become a son, born of God, is a fruit of faith. It's not the other way around. We also see in John chapter 12, verse 36, believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. You see the order there, guys? It is so clear in Scripture, and it doesn't take that much time and study to come to these conclusions. Ephesians 1.13, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you believed, you were marked That's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and seals you. When you believe, and they're teaching you can't believe. God either hates you or he's chosen you. The gospel is not for everyone. That's another gospel. That is not according to the scriptures. Those verses are not found, guys. Galatians 3, verse 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And then verse 5. So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? That's the question. And that's the question so many churches are ignoring today. 2 Corinthians 3.14, 
but their minds were made dull. For to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers the hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Guys, you see the order again? Anyone turns to the Lord by faith, the veil is taken away. First Timothy 1.16, but for this very reason I have shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Paul writes, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience and example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Colossians 2.12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through your faith, your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So baptism in which you were raised, the order through your faith. James 1.18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. He gives birth, what? Through the word of his truth. You guys remember the Philippian jailer when he asked, what must I do to be saved? Acts chapter 16, verse 30. If Paul was Calvinistic, he should have replied, you can do nothing to be saved. You were born a corpse like dead in your sin, and a dead man can do nothing. If God makes you alive, then you will be convinced to believe the gospel. But Paul doesn't hesitate, and he simply says what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. It doesn't matter how many degrees a man has and how many books they have written. The gospel they're preaching is it according to the scriptures. That is what matters, guys. And do you search the scriptures yourself? Are these things so? Is this the gospel according to the scriptures? That as the gospel is preached, proclaimed, that you have a decision to make to put your faith in him or not. And if you do, he's giving you the right to become a child of God. That's why we're told in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It must be preached. And if we're saved by grace through faith, and if faith comes by hearing the gospel, it doesn't come by God regenerating us. It comes from the preaching of the gospel and us saying yes. My kids went to a Lutheran VBS and they got an awesome little worship CD. We still have it to this day. We play it once in a while. Awesome worship songs on there. There was a sticky note put on there as we received it. Don't listen to song, whatever it was, on this disc. I've decided to follow Jesus because we can't decide to follow Jesus. That was a note from the pastor of the church. Don't play that song for your kids because we don't want them to think that they can actually put their faith in Christ. They don't have that right to decide. I'm a pastor 
And I am saying this is what the Word of God says. That is another gospel, guys. That is not according to the Scriptures. I love 2 Timothy 3.15. We read this with Pastor Lance and Lydia last weekend. In that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is why we share the gospel to our kids, guys. This is why we go and proclaim it to the world. They need to hear so they can believe. Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him, Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Do you guys see how important it is that we get it right? That we can give it right? Pastor, you're kind of being passionate about this. It's not to blow Calvinism out of the water. Anyone that is honest with the scriptures can see clearly that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And we read, whoever will come to me, whoever thirsts, whoever hungers, whoever believes will be saved. But this perverse gospel has damned many to hell. I know people who have walked away from God altogether because they were told, hey, God might hate you, you might be damned to hell, or he might love you. You have no choice in the matter. And when you grow up in that camp, the only way you know you're saved is they teach the perseverance of the saints. You are going to keep the faith and you're going to do all these good works till the end to prove that you are saved. Again, that is another perverted gospel. Yeah, if you're born again, you're born again. You're a child of God. I believe in eternal security. But us who are saved, have you ever struggled with sin? Have you ever had to repent? Yeah. What do you do when you're growing up in this perverse gospel? I guess God hates me. I would be persevering right now. I guess he doesn't love me. I guess I'm damned for hell and I have no choice. I guess I can't love him and worship him and want to live for him and have faith in him. He's just chosen me to keep the fires of hell going. That's a perverse gospel, guys. We need to be careful to get it right so we can give it right. And don't take my word for it. Go to the scriptures. I mean, I just shared a handful with you. But were those pretty clear? I'm not, that's just what they're saying. I don't have to twist the scriptures to come to some crazy presupposition. When I went with Jeremy about 10 years ago in the jail, he just turned 18 and he's thrown in jail. I'm starting my adult life incarcerated. First time ever in his whole life he picks up a Bible for himself. Someone just left it laying there in the common area, because everybody reads the Bible when they go to jail. And he picks it up and he read the entire thing. That's easy to do. He had nothing else to do, right? Read the entire, never been to church. No one ever shared the gospel with him. And I get a slip in the chaplain's office. Chaplain, 
I have some questions. Can you come see me? I go to see this 18-year-old kid. He looks at me and he's like, I've been reading the Bible and I want to know if I'm getting this right. He just begins to lay out the gospel so beautifully and purely. It's like, if I understand this right, Jesus is God. There's the Father and the Spirit. And Jesus came to atone, to die for my sins. And I can be forgiven if I will just receive him and believe this. There's nothing I can do. And I just began weeping. This kid who'd never been to church, never been to a Bible study, never read the Bible before, just sharing with me what he read for himself, according to the scriptures, no influence, had come to know Jesus Christ personally. He was born again. God gave him insight and wisdom. And I invited him out to Bible study. And this young kid, full of the Holy Spirit, oh, we had a lot of church people in there, a lot of good Baptists and Lutherans and Methodists, yeah, Christians go to jail too, guys. A lot that knew the word really well. And I so love Jeremy's heart. So he'd always bring it back to, God said this. He didn't want to argue because we all have different beliefs and there's other gospels. Did God say this? It was beautiful. You know what he ended up doing? Youngest kid in his entire block is leading a Bible study every evening for the men that he was housed with. Humbly. Guys, I don't know much. <laughs> Never been to church. But I'm really digging the Bible. I have questions. You guys want to read with me? <laughs> That's simple. And he was sharing what he had learned. He was sharing the gospel. And men were getting saved in his block. And it kind of like spread like wildfire. We went from five Bible studies in the jail to 22 every week. Four or five guys showing up to 16 men, 16 women in every Bible study. Waiting lists. Why? Because this is the gospel. This is the hope a lot of hopeless people are in need of and are looking for. So you guys see the importance of us getting it right, guys? There are other gospels, but salvation matters. It is of the utmost importance, and getting it right matters. And I want you guys to do that according to the scriptures. I want to read another verse for you from Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul writes, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you to the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel, so even if an angel shows up to preach another gospel to you than that of which we preach, let him be accursed. Okay? Damned to hell. As we have said before, 
So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. The gospel is pretty clear here. I love chapter 15. It's going to get really good as we go through this chapter together over the next month or two. But we need to get it right. I want to read a quote to you guys from a book called The Gospel According to Jesus. Pay attention and ask yourself, is this the gospel according to Christ, according to the scriptures? It is total abandonment of self-will. It is an exchange of all that we are for all that Christ is and denotes implicit obedience. Full surrender to the lordship of Christ, nothing less can qualify you as saving faith. Is that the gospel or is that a perverted gospel? Wait a minute, I have to be completely surrendered. I have to do this perfectly in order to truly be saved. Faith alone isn't enough. If I'm really committed, I'm going to have implicit obedience. Dang. That rules me out for sure. But the problem is I don't find that teaching anywhere in the scriptures. And there is this lordship salvation being taught. This is a book by John MacArthur. And so many people listen to this man and he's been preaching a false gospel for many, many years. People hand me his books. I've received a lot of good Bible teaching from him. He's scholarly. There's insight there. But the most important doctrine when it comes to theology, the thing that matters more than any other is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're writing books and you're preaching a false gospel. You're blind and you're leading. You have a seminary. You're writing your books and you're leading how many other people who are now also blind and are being trained to go teach others. And the hard part is, guys, well, he knows the Bible. The gospel according to Scripture, this is the one thing that we got to get right in this life. You guys know I take it serious, but it's on all of us to study to show yourselves approved to God, a workman who rightly divides the word. That's on you. So do we believe According to this, would you guys say this is a pretty, probably the clearest declaration of the gospel in the Bible? Paul lays it out just in four verses here very clearly for us. It is through faith. And do you believe that Jesus came, <laughs> that he died and he rose again? Do you believe that? That's it. And if we add any works anything to the gospel, that's not the gospel anymore, guys. Jesus did it because we couldn't. That's the bottom line. And he gave himself, and he gives his gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, to anyone who will receive by faith. And the cool part is, guys, we know he really rose from the dead. Do you guys catch here that he was seen in verse 5 by Cephas? You guys know who Cephas is? Peter. Do you guys remember what Peter did after Jesus said died and rose again? 
He denied him three times. He's tripping out. He's scared for his life. But Jesus shows up and meets with him there at the shore of Galilee. Hey, Peter. It's all good, buddy. Do you love me? Go feed my sheep. Go tell them about me. Declare to them the gospel according to the scriptures. He was also seen by the 12. This is after his resurrection. He didn't die, guys. The 12 disciples saw him. Over 500 people at one time. Did you guys catch here? One time of whom the greater remained to the present. So Paul it bumped into these guys who saw him. Hundreds who saw the risen Christ. And then there's his brother James, or not his brother James, this is other James, the apostles. And then in verse 8, he says, and the last to see him was me also. What a ministry Paul was called to. I'm going to send you to the Gentile world. What? Us Jews don't believe that God can save the Gentiles. What? That kind of sounds like the perversity of the Calvinist thought, isn't it? No, only the chosen. God doesn't really love. Salvation really isn't offered to everybody. It's just the elect. Well, the Jews did the exact same thing back then. But God actually, in person, Jesus taught Paul 14 years. And he brought forth with clarity the gospel. How many of you guys remember Watergate? Why are you bringing that up with the gospel, pastor? I'm so glad you guys asked. Forty years, these guys held to the resurrection. We saw him. We can't deny it. He rose from the, even if you want to kill us, if we are to be martyred, we will not deny. What fascinates me about Watergate 12 of the most powerful people in the world couldn't even make it three weeks keeping a lie. Now, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a lie, do you think these 12 guys would have made it 40 years to the end willing to die for a lie? No way. So you guys see why I bring up Watergate here? Who's willing to die for a lie? To go all the things they went through unless it really happened. And that is why we're saved, guys. There is validation, and Paul is going to continue on in chapter 15 for us to bring this to life. So as I conclude here this morning, guys, it is so important that we grasp the gospel according to the scriptures. Okay? And did you guys see here, Paul gets a little personal. Hey, I'm one born out of due time. I'm the least of the apostles. Do you guys know that he was the one, a Pharisee of Pharisees, who didn't like the Christians? Jesus is a false teacher. All these who believe it and are preaching it, man, they should be thrown in jail or killed. That was Saul of Tarsus. But Jesus met with him, and he believed, and he got saved. That is humility. Did you guys see grace come up here over and over again? He says, I'm the least of the apostles in verse 19, who I'm not worthy to even be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But he tells us in verse 10, Guys, it is by grace. Again, we are saved by grace through faith. It is by grace of God that I am what I am. And his grace towards me, it was not in vain, 
But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but what? The grace of God that was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so they believed. Guys, we need to preach that people believe. And the one question this morning, hey, great gospel presentation. This is a rad chunk of scripture that comes around clarity of what the gospel is. We can know it. We can even believe. Do you guys know demons believe and tremble? They know who Jesus is. But have you received by faith? Have you received the free gift of God, this grace, this gift of salvation personally? Have you done that? Okay? Have you so you believe? That's the only question that matters in this life. Well, we have a lot of choices and a lot of decisions to make in this lifetime, guys. But this is of the utmost importance, right? Verse 1 of chapter 15. Foremost, this is it, guys. This matters most. Have you received him? Because if you have, you've been justified, you're being sanctified, and you will be glorified. If you haven't, guys, you know what Jesus spoke of more than heaven in the Gospels? Hell. And who was he speaking to? Those who were self-righteous. Don't need you, God. We got it. The religious. We got our laws. We got our rules. We're right. You're wrong, God. That's who he was very blunt with and upfront with. And hell, he spoke of it often. And it is a reality. People are really going there if they have not humbled themselves and put their faith in Christ Jesus. It's that clear. But that's our decision. God loves us. He's not going to force himself upon anybody. That is rape. That is Calvinism. That is gross. The Bible is very clear. God is love. His heart, his will is that none should perish, but all will come to eternal life. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. You're not saved through a sinner's prayer. That's not in the Bible. I had a woman recently, hey, are you guys a full gospel church? I'm like, I sure hope so. She called me, checking out Freedom Fellowship. Do you guys have altar calls? Yeah, we have. Not in a long time. Do you guys do sinner's prayers? Not really. Why not? It's not in the Bible. I asked her, do you think a person gets saved because they pray? According to the scriptures, a person's saved because they put their faith in Jesus. A prayer's not going to save you guys. Revival is not going to save you. We can get very hyped and emotional. Emotions doesn't save anybody. It's a decision. You personally saying, yes, I believe in my heart. And Jesus died and rose from the dead. And I will confess that with my mouth. I believe it. It's a faith thing. And we got to be careful, guys. Accepted Jesus into my heart. It's not biblical. That comes from Revelation chapter 2. I stand and I'm knocking at the door, right? Well, what door was he knocking at? The door of a church that didn't want him wasn't on our hearts. 
the Holy Spirit, guys, he will convict. And every time the gospel is given, there is conviction because we know we are sinners and we know something's not right. And that's why we repent. And repentance, guys, really is a changing of our mind. Are you going to believe and turn to Christ and believe in faith or not? That's on us. And I want to be scriptural because these are some things we've all heard our entire life. Got to be baptized in the name of Jesus only. Got to do this and that and blah, 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 blah. They're all perverted gospels. And I don't want to be, well, this is my gospel. No. This is our gospel according to what? The scriptures. That's what matters. Because God is right. He's the only one that's right. And he doesn't want to see anyone perish. Oh, I didn't do my fire. I was supposed to have that going on while we were talking about hell. I don't know about you guys. Do you want to see anyone go to hell? No. And if Jesus really is who he said he is, the Savior of the world, if he's the only way to the Father, no one gets there except through him, do you think we should get the gospel right so we can give it right to other people? Amen. So let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We do need clarity. We thank you of the promise of salvation, Lord, to those who call upon your name. God, we know that you (laughs) paid the full price on Calvary that day 2,000 years ago. God, you hung in our place. You bled so we could be forgiven, that our sins could be forgiven. We thank you for that, God. We thank you that you do love us. We thank you that you aren't playing games. You've made the gospel so clear. You've made your heart known to us that whoever calls upon your name will be saved. God, and we would pray. We know that there are many who do not believe. We know your desire is to save them, that they would be your kid, that they could be adopted into your family and enjoy you forever. God, and I know there are a lot of lies that we've bought into. We have a lot of excuses and our pride is so gross. God, would you please do a great work, crash into people's lives, that we would see true revival, God, personal revival, that we would be saying yes to you, God, that our lives would be changed, that we would live in ways to honor and glorify you, to please you. We know we're not saved in those things, but how can we not want to do those things because you love us, because you saved us? God, and help us to be that light. You called us to it, to be this light and salt to the world. God, and it's so dark out there. People need to see. They need to hear. So would you grant us in your grace a boldness to speak the gospel clearly? and rightly according to your scriptures. God, give us a burden and a care for people in such a way that it matters more about eternity for them than what they might think of us as a Christian. God, give us that eternal perspective. God, thank you. You are an awesome God. And let us never miss that as we look to you, as we study your word.
What a Savior. What a God you are. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for the good news. Amen. Amen. So I encourage you guys, study the word. (laughs) We need to be in the scriptures. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening in today to Freedom Fellowship. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. If so, would you please take a minute, like us, subscribe, and leave a review. This is a free way we can reach others with his word. You can watch video teachings of sermons on our website, cometofreedom.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.